Hello and welcome to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondike, and today I'm joined with David Curry, who is the CEO of Open Doors. So stay tuned. Welcome back, everyone, to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondick, and thank you for tuning in to yet again another episode. If you're a new listener, what a great time to join. It's an exciting episode today. If you're a longtime listener, if you've tuned in a few times, thanks for your continued support, and I know that you're going to find um, some encouragement, some benefit, and also some challenge in this in this episode today. Um, today's conversation is with David Curry who is the CEO of Open Doors. It's an organization devoted to helping serve the persecuted church around the world. Um, guys, it's a it's a real challenge, a real call um, for us to help those who are being persecuted, who help to help those who are among the least of us. Um, and when we look around the world, you know, there's an estimated 300 million people who are facing some form of persecution. Um, what that looks like, I'm sure we all have images in our head uh, of what it means to be persecuted. Uh, David helps break down what that what that looks like personally with your family, um, from the government, all these different layers um, of how you can see what what persecute what forms persecution takes on. Um, this is a it's a it's definitely a challenging thing to hear, but it's uh, nonetheless is our call as followers of Christ, and so. I, I, I hope that you leave this conversation today um, challenged and encouraged um, of how faithful uh, followers of Christ are living um, and what that what that can mean for you um, to to help stand up and support those who are uh, through prayer, um, but then also um, being committed in your daily life. Without further ado, here's my conversation with David. David, thanks so much for joining me and the guys like us today. Thank you for having me on, Tyler. I appreciate it. My pleasure. My pleasure. Um, so I just kind of want to orient our listeners and um, just to, I guess, first to you, and then we can kind of get into what, what Open Doors is all about, but just a little bit more about your path and your journey to, um, you know, the, I guess the the, the uh, highlights of, uh, of how you got to where you are today. Well, when I was a young man, I thought that... Uh, I knew I had a leadership gift, but I thought that the path of leaders was just like this uh, never-ending logical stair step uh, to uh, positions of leadership. Actually, my leadership journey has been kind of kind of weird, mm-hmm. like a lot of leaders. You know, heading in areas where you're uh, mm-hmm. where you're like, "Hey, why am I doing this?" And then you know, you find out later that was all part of God's plan. I I went to Bible college. I, I wasn't serving the Lord for a period of time and then got um, recommitted uh, my life to Christ, went to Bible college thinking I didn't know anything about ministry. I thought if you were called to ministry and I mm-hmm. sensed I had a call, mm-hmm. the, that he, I was either supposed to be a pastor or an evangelist. I didn't. I come from a ministry background. <laughs> was there something else? Mm-hmm. Uh, and But in that process, um, you know, t- tent making, uh, meaning that, you know, I had other jobs, I was in pastoral ministry, was in mm-hmm. full-time ministry, in all of that, mm-hmm. really found my gifts. And fortunately, in all the crazy uh, sort of back and forth of the various things I've done over the years, 
uh, I really uh, look back now and say, God used all of it. Now, here I am running open doors, which is operational ministry. It's it's communicating the needs and the stories of the persecuted church. But it's, an, it's a worldwide network mm-hmm. of believers who want to stand with the believers, uh, brothers and sisters around the world who live in areas. And when you think of these areas, think Iran, Iraq, Syria, North Korea, China, uh, areas of Vietnam where they are discriminated, persecuted, uh, harassed, even killed simply because they're followers of Jesus. That's our job. We mm-hmm. want to help those people stand with them. Mm-hmm. And and I came into contact with them and all the things I'd learned in the back mm-hmm. uh, background have been uh, certainly used in this job. So mm-hmm. I'm just a, an encouragement to people who wonder why they're doing all of these crazy things and why God takes them on this crazy path. It's all part of it, I think, even though you do, it's hard to see in the, in the, you know, in the, uh, looking out in front of you. Absolutely. No, absolutely. And, um, you know, yeah. And I wanted to kind of, I guess that it's a good segue into, um, the, the persecuted church and kind of understanding a little bit about Christians around, around the world. And, I know for myself, I can get, we can get so focused kind of on what's going on maybe in our backyard or in our country here, um, based in the United States, but lose maybe sight or scope of what's going on outside of, um, the United States. And when I think, and I'm sure maybe many others think about persecution, we kind of look at a few countries that you named in the Middle East, um, and we can kind of, you know, maybe hear some, some old, you know, have some news flashes or stories in our mind from years ago, but it, and I'm sure that, that might be some of it, but can you kind of explain the scope of what, of what it means um, to be persecuted? Um, where, yeah. what are, what are the biggest, what, what is it really, what are the biggest challenges um, that people are facing? Well, before I, before I give you the numbers, let me give you a little bit of expertise. Uh, so kind of ground people into what open doors are the scale of what we do. We started 65 years ago, a man named brother Andrew, that was a code name. He gave himself, he was smuggling Bibles into the Soviet union, millions of Bibles. And, and, uh, the book God smuggler is a, a bestseller. Hopefully it's going to be on Netflix or Amazon here in the next year or two. Uh, this, idea of going into contested areas and distributing Bibles, training pastors, helping them in a covert manner. That's open doors. Now, today, we're not in the former Soviet Union, or at least the Soviet Union doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. We are in all of the areas partnering with brothers and sisters who are persecuted for their faith. So that Mm -hmm. gives us this global perspective. When we say there are 300 million Christians who live in extreme discrimination, persecution, harassment because of their faith, mm-hmm. we're, we, that's not an underestimation. And you might say, how is that even possible? Well, f- let's look at China. China's not mm-hmm. the most difficult place, but it is very sophisticated in how they they persecute and harass Christians. There's 100 million Christians in China. Every single one of them is monitored with uh, artificial intelligence. They're given a social score, which is punished or deducted because mm-hmm. they go to church. I mean, there's any number of sophisticated things which we post and uh, out there and do reports for the State Department and el- elsewhere. You can read online. Mm-hmm. It is a massive problem. China is one example, but you look at places like mm-hmm. Afghanistan, Somalia, these places mm-hmm. in the Middle East that you all become familiar with, Al-Qaeda-like or ISIS-like groups. They have different names in different countries. Same ideology of hate, it's a very medieval interpretation of Islam. It doesn't represent all of Islam, 
but it is a medieval interpretation of Islam, which says, if you're a Christian, you're an infidel, and it's okay for me to kill you. That is the message that ISIS carried forward. It's mm -hmm. now in Nigeria. It's in Somalia. It's in Eritrea. It's in many places around the world. So there are millions and millions of people who, who cannot worship Jesus openly. They still worship Jesus. They 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 come to faith at great cost. They count the cost on the front end that they know mm -hmm. if they're caught mm -hmm. with the Bible, if they are uh, caught by extremist groups, mm -hmm. they could lose their life. Certainly, they will have a lot of tough things happen to them. Yeah, yeah, no, certainly. And I, I mean, I've some of the countries that you've named and was was kind of doing some research on my own, looking at in Nigeria too, and um, and obviously there's a lot of there's historically has been a lot of um, strife and turmoil between because it is kind of a divided country and I'm and I, I know each kind of country has their own dynamics what are some of the like what are things that you look for to understand oh you know these people are um, is there things that you can kind of track or have an, a gauge of understanding yeah. this, this country is in a really high level of persecution or it's a great question uh, because every context is different let's talk about Nigeria since you talked about it we measure across six different areas first of all is there does the government persecute you hmm. secondly would the uh would the culture persecute you mm -hmm. would your family persecute you if you're a christian you say family well how's that possible well in some honor cultures if you mm -hmm. are born a muslim and you become a christian you could be killed in the extreme women could be raped they could be thrown out of the house they're disassociated any number of things can happen even in the family we measure level of violence so that in number of these sorts of things where we measure and they're each given a score. So that's why when we say North Korea is the toughest, that's because across all of those platforms, all of those areas, it's violent, it's the family, it's the government, it's the culture, mm -hmm. it's the community, mm -hmm. it's the whole thing wrapped up at an extreme level. Now, mm -hmm. Nigeria is an example of, uh, I think, of what's happening in the larger sense with uh, the continent of Africa. You have a country on, in the southern part of the country, there's millions and millions of Christians. To the north, there's 12 Sharia law states. Again, a very mm -hmm. medieval, virulent uh, theology. And in the, in the, so to the north of the country, you have all of these Sharia law states. Extremists uh, have mm -hmm. sway over that. They, they manage the villages and the cities, these sorts of things. And the central government is not controlling what happens up there. They have killed more people in Nigeria than ISIS mm. ever did when they control the caliphate. Every year, uh, they're killing uh, many more people. On average, I think 12 uh, Christians are killed a day mm -hmm. worldwide that we can prove. It's much more than that. But eight or nine of them just in Nigeria on average every day mm -hmm. for being a Christian. So that, that example, the north, you have extremists. In the south, you have Christians. Guess what happens right in the middle of that country? You have the conflict where these extremists are attacking these Christian villages and everything to the north of that. That's what's happening in Africa as a whole. Mm -hmm. Many of the countries in the south, massive Christian populations, tens and tens of millions of Christians. In the north, you have very extreme uh, environments, uh, ex either extremists running the governments or failed states like Libya and these kinds of things. You have a lot going on in Africa, but we measure it across those different sectors. Now, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, I think mm -hmm. for all of the men listening here today, one of the things that we have to recognize is that the, the church in the West has become incredibly passive, 
you don't you, you see it's risk averse and that what the persecuted church is a church of courage it, it is a church that that uh, i think uh, is a strong church it's facing up and counting the cost of being a follower of jesus and i think we as men have lessons to learn here in this regard as to what's going on around the world and how it applies to our faith here in america mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah and i mean just looking at the trends of where christians are now it's most of them are in the the you know global global south or areas in in africa as you mentioned or in, in south america and um just really it's yeah it's it's just really hard to hear but i think that's the, the one of the, the thing things that i think is is hopeful too of understanding ways that we can um help help get involved serve like what are you know as thinking about like a, a guy myself but the first thing i want to do here is just try and figure out how to how to help out what are some what are the most practical ways um that you that you would encourage or recommend people to uh to yeah to plug in I, i'm you know i'm sure that there are multiple ways here well i think we as men need to be people of prayer we have a prayer app called pray for the persecuted it's on google or apple platforms and it is just prayer for the urgent needs what is happening today around the world we only we don't bombard yet it's three or four major things we're asking for that uh, you could pray and then connect with so part of the message that we hear around the world is that believers, when they're facing intense persecution, they feel isolated, they feel alone. Does anybody know what's happening to me? They could be sitting in a prison in Pakistan because they've been accused by their neighbor of blasphemy and on a death row for nothing more than being a follower of Jesus. It happens. We've seen it over and over and over again. And does anybody know? Does anybody care? So this app tells you these stories. You can pray, and we deliver the prayer to that person. So I think that's fundamental because mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. what we're asked to do. The Scripture tells us to pray for our brothers and sisters mm-hmm, in Christ as if mm-hmm. it were our own self or our own family. Mm-hmm. So that's a universal calling. I think we're all to do that. Mm-hmm. But secondly, when you then get motivated about these areas uh, that are that are contested, the areas where people are greatly persecuted. These are dangerous areas. We do covert work. There are projects in these areas where you can support by giving people Bibles or training or whatever else. And all that is on our website, the stories and the videos that kind of tell the story that help people to understand there are practical things you can do. But can I talk to just for a second about the other side? Yes, there's things we can do. We should be doing it. But there's also lessons we can learn from these brothers mm. and sisters mm. because they are counting the cost. They know they know the, the value of Scripture. So in many places where we work, you, if you're found with a page of the Bible, if you're found with an entire Bible, it would be even more difficult. But if you're found with even a page, uh, you could go to labor camp for the rest of your life, North Korea. You could lose your head, Somalia, Afghanistan. So mm-hmm. the, we can learn a lot about the courage, about the risk, about the the strength and and the spirit of, of faith from these believers because they've got joy, they've got courage, they're taking risk for the cause of Jesus. And sometimes we don't want to get out of bed on Sunday morning. And uh, I'm just as guilty as everybody else. I've got so many Bibles. I have one on my phone, one on my iPad. I read the one on the phone. Sometimes on the iPad, I have a couple here on my desk. I have one or two sitting at home. And I sometimes forget to read my Bible. When you're in North Korea, if you have something, you're going to memorize it because it's so precious to you. Mm-hmm. It's your very life. Mm-hmm. And um, it's it's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Well, no, that's that's really helpful, and I want to kind of put a pin on that for for a second here, and actually kind of um, get rooted for a second before I, you know, hopefully we can discuss maybe some hopeful areas of where we're seeing some gospel gospel movement and just really redemption in in different areas. But can you talk about? I think this is really important of the lessons that we can learn here, and I think for some of us, you know, we we've maybe have experienced what it means to kind of have this countercultural aspect of our of our faith and think with true God holding the, the true gospel you're gonna it'll naturally become countercultural um in some areas of uh you know actually in in your life can you have you personally kind of been in an experience or can you kind of bring us in a little bit to kind of the shoes maybe of what what it might look like and you've touched on it a little bit but have you yeah. have you personally well, let me tell you, uh, uh, about three years ago, there was a group right along the Somali border in Kenya, Garissa, Kenya, mm-hmm. some extremists from Al-Shabaab, which is an ISIS, Al-Qaeda related group, mm-hmm. uh, went into a university and they separated by gun, at gunpoint the Muslim uh, students from the Christian students. There were 145 Christian students. They killed them. They lined them up on the ground and assassinated them. Mm-hmm. Before they did so, they gave them a chance. You, you could turn your back on Jesus and we'll spare your life. But not one of them, not one of them did. When I read this story, I knew I had, I wanted to go visit. I wanted to be with them. So, so I went to uh, Garissa, getting out there. It's 11 hours down a single road from Nairobi to Garissa. It's right there in the Somali border. Lots of, I was followed constantly by these terrorists that we just said, look, we're gonna, I'm a man of peace. I'm going to pray with these churches, 12 small churches in this area. When I went there, mm-hmm. I found I, I expected to find people who were frightened. Certainly, they were cautious, but they weren't frightened. And when I when when I met with them on Sunday morning, they sang. They sang loud. I saw joy. I saw overwhelming peace in the face of of difficulty. That's mm-hmm. a picture to me of what's happening every day around the world. Now, to your larger question. Yeah. Yeah. The when the church does not always prosper under under persecution. Sometimes it shrivels and shrinks. Hmm. And the difference is, first of all, when you find the community that is honors scripture, that you don't have some weird cult and strange ideas, but it stays fundamentally around the life, death, uh, burial, and resurrection of Jesus for the atonement of sins. Stays on the biblical fundamentals. Uh, it, when you have a, a community that's committed, no matter what the cost of being in community, of being together, mm-hmm. this is really important. And we're going to have to learn this apparently the hard way. We're very passive about allowing our churches to be shut down, thinking that Zoom is going to cover it. It doesn't cover it. We need to be in small groups together, mm-hmm. uh, even at great risk, even potentially, you know, I think people should be wise, but obviously. At, at risk of other things, we need to be in community. Eventually, we got to get out mm-hmm. of our houses here. Okay, and what you see around the world is where where the enemy wants to attack the church, he isolates them. We have mm-hmm. to fight that, right? Mm-hmm. So I think there are these mm-hmm. things: fundamentals of scripture, community together, where we're not isolated, and then that we're in unity. What do I mean by unity? Mm-hmm. I mean that when People start hanging or beheading believers for their faith. They don't care if you're Baptist. They don't care if you're Catholic or Presbyterian or Pentecostal. They just ask you the question, 
are you willing to deny Jesus? And it brings, when it's healthy, it brings us together. And we sort of forget about some of the differences that we can argue about all day long, but we're brothers and sisters. When we're divided, when we're arguing, when mm -hmm. we're fighting mm -hmm. each other about sort of stuff that we think matters, but at gunpoint, it doesn't really matter. Um, you know, we're just stronger together in unity. And I think that's part of why Jesus prayed that prayer before he lifted off, like help them to be one, help us be united. So mm -hmm. I think when mm -hmm. those elements are present, community, unity, scriptural uh, integrity, you, uh, you have uh, the church that's growing. So you have a church in China that's growing. Mm -hmm. the, the, the church in North Korea is growing. Jesus says, well, everywhere he's mentioned and discussed, you don't have to worry about about that. But, but do people have the courage to talk about Jesus? Do they have the courage to read the scripture? Do they have the access to it? Mm -hmm. Those are the questions that I think we have to answer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, and that, and that makes sense. And so what you're, if I'm hearing you correctly, is you mentioned in the kind of beginning here that, you know, I think some of us think that the, the church will always kind of thrive under persecution, but it's only sometimes, or not all the time, yeah. rather. And then yeah. the, these are some of the kind of the conditions or, some of the things that are kind of these are foundations of of um yeah being you know being in being in the word being you know daily in your uh, in in the bible getting in community being being present with each other not not you know obviously virtual can be great but having that that physical location um with 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 others around you and then yeah life life death and resurrection of well, Christ I, the yeah because i get so often from people in the west like what's the problem the church grows under persecution. Well, first of all, it's, it doesn't always grow in persecution. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the church shrivels up and dies. I can show you countries on the map where we, we at Open Doors, even though we have extensive networks, can't find a hundred uh, 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 native believers because there's been persecution for a long time. They've been isolated. They've been attacked. They've, they've been killed. So it's not always the case mm -hmm. that, that persecution helps things to grow. You have to have the right soil. You have to have the right things going on. Yeah. So then the question for us is, do we have that? That's that's my point. Mm -hmm. And, and it, it's not about church attendance, but it is about community. It's not about a particular theology, but it is about unity. And, and those are the things that we as men, uh, we have to kind of struggle with. We're going to have to say, look, we need to be with other men sharpening each other. Mm -hmm. The thing that's helped me grow is not some of the great churches I've attended, but it's that I have some brothers that I meet with day after day, year after year, that we've been holding each other accountable. We understand each other's shortcomings. We understand each other's, that's how you strengthen each other. That's what happens in the persecuted church at great cost. Mm -hmm. And and so I, mm -hmm. I hope that uh, we'll learn some of those lessons over time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. To, to um, just to hear kind of as we as we start to close, is there a story of of hope transformation that um, you know comes top of mind when you think about you know man this is um, you know despite despite these tough days and 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 the kind of the fight that's being fought these are these help kind of show kind of foretaste of what what's yet to come. Yeah, there's there's so many great things happening around the world. I think of the church in North Korea. When I talk to government officials, you look on the State Department uh, list, mm -hmm. they're going to say mm -hmm. there's no expression of Christianity, but I can tell you there's about half a million Jesus followers. They're passionate about their faith. I meet with them. Mm -hmm. I talk with them. Um, that's going strong. When I look at the church, let's say in Morocco, 
strong small groups you know mm-hmm. just fun strong fundamentals growing the the church in iran miracles god speaking to people through dreams and vision these things are happening around the world mm-hmm. when his name is lifted up when people are studying scripture mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. it's it's a beautiful thing to see so don't lose hope but we do need courage we do need to take risk we do need to be engaged and and uh, and to get plugged into what's going on mm-hmm. Um, well, well, thank you so much for your time. Is there is there any kind of parting words or any final thoughts that you'd like to kind of cement on before we um, hop off? And then also just where we can find you um, and Absolutely. just and just again stay plugged into to what's going well, on. Well, the one thing I would say, everybody, if you could please pray for a few minutes every week. OpenDoorsUSA.org has prayer lists, but this prayer app, pray for the persecuted. It's just super easy. It'll just say, hey, pray for this guy in Albania or, or in Algeria. Uh, wherever he may be and send him your prayer you can just click on it and, and it's it was so encouraging uh to to these believers wow. we have some amazing stories so everybody pray mm-hmm. because it's what we're called to do but secondly you can go to opendoorsusa.org mm-hmm. we have videos and stories you can engage with it and uh, let it build your faith and and encourage you and stir you David, it's been it's been a real honor to have you on, and thank you for uh, for just sharing um, everything that you've been doing, and just the the mission, vision, and just overall kind of details of, uh, of of open doors. So thanks so much for your time. Thanks, Tyler. I so appreciate it.